I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Voice First Health, the future of health is voice. Hello, and welcome to episode number 17 of Voice First Health. Uh, thanks for joining me again for another episode. Today, I am really, really excited to introduce you to my guest, Dr. John Lochnane. He is the Chief of Clinical Innovation and the Medical Director of Life Choices Palliative Care Program at the Commonwealth Care Alliance. And they are doing some fascinating work in the Voice First Health space. I had the opportunity to hear him speak at the Voice of Healthcare Summit in Boston this past summer, and I was simply fascinated by what he had to say and how he is using this technology to help the lives of his patients. So uh, I was really excited to get him on the podcast. He has graciously agreed to be a guest today, and uh, let's get right to it. Without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to Dr. John Lochnane. Hi there, Dr. Lochnane. It's really a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Um, thanks so much for joining us. And I was hoping we could start off by giving us a little bit of background of who you are and what you do. Sure. I'd be happy to. First, uh, thank you for having me. So my name's John Lochnane. I'm a family physician by training. Um, I did my medical school at the University of Massachusetts here in Worcester, Mass, and I uh, did a residency in family medicine at the University of Washington, Seattle. Uh, the reality is most of my career has been spent in a broad range of, of clinical uh, delivery systems, and I've always been an active clinician. So the first half of my career was as uh, a primary care and community health centers in Massachusetts, and then as a hospitalist and chief of hospitals at a, uh, a small community hospital. Um, in 2009, I had the opportunity to join a very um, exciting and visionary organization called Commonwealth Care Alliance, which had been started by two individuals, Bob Master and Lois Simon, which is uh, basically a non-for-profit community-based healthcare organization that really focused on individuals com with complex medical, behavioral health, and social needs, including persons with disabilities. Oh. Now, the, the, the key to this was that this was one of the first, what in the United States is called a dual-eligible um, special needs plan and dual eligibility says they have both Medicare and Medicaid, which means they have both complexity of their medical issues and complexity of social determinants. Ah. And as part of that process, the uh, way the plan was set up was to have significant uh, risk adjusted premium. So each month, uh, CCA would be given a certain amount of dollars that would be uh, risk-adjusted to both their medical complexity and some level of their long-term service support needs. And that created a, uh, a capitated amount of dollars that then we could create care systems around to better care for populations that were most vulnerable. Okay. So that's a very unique so, sort of setup. It, it, it was. At the time, it was, it was, I will say it was a very uh, unique system, which is now um, kind of spread across the United States. Ah. But the idea was these dual eligible populations have, have patients who are, have the highest spend and often have the most uncoordinated care. So this was really a step forward in providing a more effective care, more patient-centered care, and more financially viable care. So... Um, my roles when I started at CCA were, were twofold. One was I was uh, hired to, to start and build our palliative care end-of-life um, program. And secondarily, I was hired to, to uh, be the main hospitalist at Boston Medical Center taking care of patients with physical disability. Okay. And um, during that period of time, 
one of the things that struck me was that even though I had a very, uh, very good training experience as, as, a, as a family practice doctor, both in rural and urban environments, and then had been a hospitalist for a period of time, uh, the patients that I was now serving had different challenges and, and honestly had they required different thought process of how to care for them. So um, I started thinking about, uh, at first around palliative care, but really about just general care structures, about how do I create, a, you know, with my colleagues and, and thought leaders, a care system that meets these needs. Uh-huh. And uh, throughout that process, voice became one of the, the focuses of how I thought about how to interact with uh, patients. So a lot of my patients had spinal cord injuries or had other significant physical disability, and, and they did not have what we would recognize as kind of classic functional abilities. Uh-huh. So um, we, we needed to think about how care worked for them, how we delivered really patient-focused care. I don't, sometimes I don't like centered, like focused, uh-huh. and, um, and, and voice became a large part of this. Um, so I'll pause. Yeah, no, no, that, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. When so when was this that you? How long ago was this that you started to realize that voice could be a really valuable um, interface to to interact with these patients? So, yeah. So from almost the onset in two thousand nine, when I started caring people in the hospitals, we 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 knew that people again, if you have a spinal cord injury and you're hospitalized, you can't get up and just go to the bathroom. You can't get up and 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 walk on the floor. And a lot of times patients, you know, the, the, the term they would use to me is I need to give voice to what I need. And so mm-hmm. that, that was from the onset was there, but sort of there was some specific events that occurred, which really kind of led me to think about um, how we use the emerging aspect of voice with um, Alexis and, and the, new, the new world of, of echoes and such. And uh, the, 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 the hallmark one was I had one of my own primary care patients who had spinal cord injury who was um, in the... In, the relatively late stages of, of bladder cancer. And uh-huh. he was known throughout our organization as, as basically the gentleman who would always bring you CDs. So whenever uh-huh. he would come to see you or you would go to see him in his house, he'd have a music CD. Uh-huh. And so we, we realized how important voice was for him. And as, as part of his palliative and truly end-of-life care, we used music, we used other modalities uh, to help him. And again, he was a very earlier doctor of, of the, the Echoes and Amazon and, and using playlists. So through my care for him and what he taught me about literally using music and being able to control the music with his voice was, was crucial to kind of how I think we best cared for him towards the end of life. So is he is a spinal cord injury and someone who is, is, is dying, mm-hmm. um, he could use voice to access what meant most in the world to him to some degree, which was music. Wow. So that, 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 was, that was one of the hallmark aspects of, of what I saw. And then what would happen is because we were a very home-based care system, I would go into patients' homes and I started seeing the echoes. Wow. And so um, that, that, and, and, and over and over again in my career, having that, that touch of patients at home and seeing how they think about their care. And I was bumping into echoes. And, mm-hmm. and then during one of my shifts for, as a hospitalist, Someone brought an echo. Our family member brought an echo in to have the patient um, be, uh, to have something to do during the hospitalization. So sure. I was seeing these echoes, and I was having people ask me, you know, when when could this echo turn off my lights? When could this echo uh, control my thermostat? When when could this happen? So we started to, as we so often do with a, the CCA care system, mm-hmm. is we were thinking about all along, 
you know, this idea that care is holistic and not just what, what you do in terms of medical interventions. Right. And so once again, the patients taught us to think differently about how we could use voice for, for populations that both had physical disability, intellectual disability, and, and just were medically complex in, uh, in how we would move forward with that. So we, we had this environment where all of a sudden voice was important for us to engage in, to understand, and to add as a, as, a, as, a, as a part of the menu of what we do for our patients. And we were lucky enough, again, is that we, at CCA, we have this you know, tremendously innovative DNA and legacy that's supported. And so these kind of ideas could move forward, and, 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 and we had the ability to, to pilot them. Wow. Uh, and we, act, we actually created a, a for-profit subsidiary called Winter Street Ventures that myself and our, our, our CEO, Chris Palmieri, created um, to, to help, one, fund um, these kind of initiatives and to create a, a mechanism where entities that had very good ideas but were early in their, their stages could have a testing ground with, with patients and clinicians at, at the one-foot level. And voice fit into this extraordinarily well. Wow, no, that's fantastic. So I'm, I'm curious, so can you give us some examples? So you've started to implement this voice or you have been implemented, implemented it at this point. What are some of the yeah. ways that you're using it and what are some of the scenarios that you're seeing where it's most beneficial? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think that there are three main categories. So one is uh, we, we have a pilot with uh, our partner, LifePod Solutions, which really is a pioneer in voice-first technology. Mm-hmm. We had done an original um, grant-funded um, a UAT pilot with an organization called Orbiter, which we very much uh, appreciated their, their hard work and their engagement with them, which was using voice through um, the, the typical kind of uh, reactive asking Alexa, can you do this for me? Can you do that? Right. And we learned a lot of lessons and um, it was a very, it was funded by the Center for Healthcare Strategies. And we had the opportunity to kind of, you know, take all of what we saw out in the environment with voice and try to strategize and use it in a more formal process. And through that initial Center for Healthcare Strategy grant with Orbiter, we learned a lot about voice. And one of the things we that, that became clear was a, a voice-first technology solution, which was proactive rather than the reactive asking Alexa was, was key. Sure. Um, and, so, and so that fed into how we saw what, what, what we need to do. So there are, there are three main categories that we have patients using voice and we're currently in a and a, and a large pilot is uh, number one is uh, patients um, really want to have social connection and patients uh, suffer from loneliness like mm-hmm. everyone. And at times with both uh, the complexities of, 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 of severe medical disease, intellectual disability, physical disability, loneliness is a major factor. Mm-hmm. So a, a large amount, what we have found with, with, uh, with uh, LifePod is that basically we want to interact with patients and give them the chance uh, to connect on a regular basis, prompted to say, what can we do for you? So a perfect example is um, someone who enjoys music. We recently put a LifePod in with a gentleman who loved the spinners. So twice a day, uh, the, the LifePod asks the patient, would you like to hear some spinners? Okay. Um, and he says, yes. And he gets to engage with the spinners. Uh, we have other patients who want to connect with the news. So at eight o'clock in the morning, I'll say, good morning. Would you like to hear the news? Would mm-hmm. you like to hear weather? Would you like to have a drop-in call with this person or that person? So, uh, so often is we, we, you know, loneliness becomes a pattern and it's hard to break out. And we really see, um, the, the ability of voice to engage and then allow people to engage back 
into 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 a world of 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 the connected um, internet of things and, and and process. And again, part of our thought process, which I think. We, we need to correct is that the folks who do have um, social determinant barriers that may not be on the higher end of the socioeconomic aren't interested in technology. That's just so untrue. Mm. It just is, doesn't have the conduit. So part of our mission is to take technology that intends to be aimed for uh, a commercial consumer market and to figure out how to translate it into uh, uh, populations that may not be the, the focus of, of what's occurring. The second, the second aspect of what we, we see this is, is just giving people reminders at this point about just healthcare issues. You know, uh-huh. get up and move, mm-hmm. dance. Ah, that's great. Uh, yeah. is, is, is it time to take your? It's time to take your medications. Uh-huh. Uh, very, very, you know, very patient focused, non judgmental of, of how would you like to to engage today. But it's important. So when we go out and talk to patients, we have some basic set uh, reminders we think are helpful. But we ask them, what do you what do you want this to do for you? Mm-hmm. What what how can voice prompt you throughout the day um, to be to be um, more active or to have relaxation techniques or to, to what needs to do. Mm-hmm. And then third is uh, a number of our patients, um, once we introduce voice to them, like so often just took off with it. So um, I have one of my uh, primary care patients who use voice now to uh, move the bed, to turn off the lights, to control the thermostats. So there really is an interest in a subset of, of, of folks who take it and then and then create their own home internet of things in a connected home health environment. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we are very uh, excited. So it, there's nothing better to walk into one of my patients' rooms uh, and at home and, and basically see their entire house in internet of things and, and, and realize that this was because you know two two and a half three years ago we started talking about how this thing you know an echo can help you in in, in, in connecting your life. Yeah, it really is amazing, huh? The way this is going. What are, are there some areas that you're excited about in the future or things that you're looking forward to as the voice technology continues to evolve? Are, you, are there scenarios that you can imagine? Absolutely. So I, I think there's a, a number of focuses. One, once we have full HIPAA compliance, I think these can be individualized uh, uh, care plans that are tailored to those folks' needs. So I think the ability to get into deeper about literally, you know, we talk about doing individualized care plans. I think about doing individualized technology care plans oh, where that, you know, physicians like us can say, you know, you need to take Lasix 20 milligrams twice a day and you need to weigh yourself uh, at noon, and if you're up five milligrams, then excuse me, five pounds, then you need to take an extra twenty milligrams of Lasix. Mm-hmm. And that 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 level of detail, uh, we think voice is perfect for. So at noon, it says, "Can you, um, you know, please, Mr. X, weigh yourself?" And then you say, "I gained, um, I gained five pounds." And the response is, "Then you need to take another twenty milligrams of Lasix." So we see that level of engagement, mm-hmm. and at the same time. Your, your care, uh, your care partners, your physicians, your nurse practitioners, your nurses are getting all the information. But instead of a, a kind of back and forth, this is all uh, a natural flow of your day. So we see once we have the ability to have full HIPAA compliance, that, that that is a super possibility of what's occurring. Two is we, we also think that this at some point will lead into social groups and social connections. So we really uh, see the voice as the ability to connect others together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that literally have uh, shared groups. So let's say you have um, the challenge of, of working with COPD and that you could have a COPD group that would connect through um, voice so that there'd be four or five people and it could be like best learnings. It could be shared experiences. So we see this as a, a way to build a, a voice community. 
uh, as, we, as, as, it, as it progresses. And then lastly, um, I do think that um, the continued ability to control your home, uh, to control the environment, to control your schedule, to actually just have an organization component uh, will grow and grow. Uh, and, that, and that's a crucial thing. So I think that that the, the flexibility of voice will continue to emerge and that patients will be able to define what works for them and works for their families. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely, I agree a hundred percent with what you were saying. It, it sounds like these, these voice assistants are going to become just that like personal health assistance in the home. Do you think this is going to shift where we provide care for patients ultimately? Yes, I do. I, and we, so we've always been focused on treating the patient in the best place for them. And often that is in a home, but absolutely. So I, I think that the, there's potential for a number of, of areas again. And, and one is I have a colleague who does a lot of hospitalists at home who really feels like at some point hospitals will be for a very small minority of our patients. And I completely agree is that technology will allow us to care for patients at home. And all of us who've worked in hospital realize there are both advantages and disadvantages about hospitalization. But we, we see the opportunity where that literally both primary care, which has been moving more into the home, but acute care will be very key uh, with the voice and other aspects. We, we have a, a kind of pioneer community paramedic visit where we treat patients at home. I can absolutely see how voice can augment how we use our community paramedics uh, on a regular basis and, 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 and structure that care. So I think voice will be very, very instrumental in one, the acute care, but it'll also be helping patients have a, a, a more complex care plan at times that is aided by voice so they don't, don't need acute care services on a, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis. Two, I think that it will allow families to communicate and caregivers. Mm-hmm. So often, especially with palliative care and end of life, it becomes so much about the caregivers and the family. And I, I so often realize that we don't do as much for them as we can. And I see voice. So literally, um, let's say that you're taking care of your loved one who's dying of, of congestive heart failure and, and really would benefit from having some single liberal morphine. Mm. You know, we teach people how to do it. We say, call us. But literally, if you're there and you could simply say, you know, LifePod could check in or you could ask LifePod, you know, my, my, my loved one telling me short of breath, remind me how to give the morphine, right? Uh, uh, and, and so all of a sudden, it's not the burden of a phone call going over and those other issues. Right. Um, so as you, and it's not being on the phone. So, you know, I, I picture this scenario where, you, you know, one of my patients' family members is taking care of them, and then at the bedside, and there's a life pod, and they ask the life pod, life pod, I need to take care of my dad, remind me what I, remind what I can do for his uh, shortness of breath. Um, so uh, again, I, I, I see a, a, a large component of, of d- direct care. And then again, I, I keep on going back to this, but I think when I, when I take care of my patients and I do a problem list, loneliness is in the top five of almost everybody. Uh, uh. And this is not just CCA. So I think an emerging aspect of, of learning how voice can support individuals to, to not uh, just uh, have voice be it, but to learn how the social connection of, of this works uh, yeah. would be a, a key component. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think this is really an opportunity to bring the healthcare into the home even more so than we're doing right now. It's uh, very, very exciting. What do you think is the biggest challenge right now with the voice technology? Uh, so I, I think there are a number of challenges. One is, um, and, and this is what we're trying to do a lot with LifePod, is the wake words and how you phrase things it's still a, a, a challenge at times. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that it's gotten better and we're very happy as we've progressed. But I always think the language we're using and how we engage 
voice um, needs to be more open in, in nature. Two, I had mentioned HIPAA, making sure that there's yes. HIPAA compliance so that we can we can truly use these to create detailed, medically um, appropriate, but uh, deep care plans. And right now, one of the things I would love to do is all of my patients uh, who were discharged from the hospital as a hospital's last week, I would like to give them a life pod and basically give them all the instructions on the life pod mm. and then have them engage with voice at home. So it, once I tell things, you know, you look at a discharge uh, process in a hospital and we give you all the paperwork, we tell you all these things, um, and then you have to read them. And, and, and I think like they're going to lose the papers. They're going to have lots of questions. And I would love to have uh, a, a situation where I could program voice at 4 p.m. if I know I'm discharging them at noon, say, you know, welcome home. Uh, Dr. L has these suggestions. If you have any questions, call us. So That'd be wonderful. Um, yeah. But that needs HIPAA compliance. Right yeah. now, that's not 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 where we are. Um, the third is um, I also think there needs to be some augmentation of its ability to um, to work with voice that is has physical um, limitations. So recently, we had a patient who we put a, a life pod in with Parkinson's. So there's some voice issues here. Sure. And so we had to make modifications, but I think the sensitivity of the speakers and, uh, and the microphones needs to be um, continually worked on so that it is available to everyone and, 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 and that there isn't the barrier of, of the, the voice, the strength of voice. And then lastly, I think the, uh, the, the ongoing ability to have multiple, multiple languages, this should be able to be um, across universally language. You should be able to pick your language. Um, and I, and I have all, it's interesting. I have a lot of patients who move beyond uh, back and forth with two, two languages because they have comfort in some areas with this part of language and then others. So oh, I also yeah. think that ability to be very language flexible, it would be another barrier that would be um, helpful. Wow. No, well said. I mean, the one that, the one that uh, seems to uh, always come up, of course, is the HIPAA compliance, but yeah, you raised a couple of other very good, uh, very good uh, issues that, uh, boy, and, you know, and I think the technology is moving that way. I think it's only a matter of time till these, till these obstacles are solved and it's only going to help with the patient care. Ultimately, it's, it's very, very exciting. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll just wrap up with one more question and, and I'm curious, what sure. is your, what does it mean to you? What does this phrase voice first health mean to you? Um, it means that patients have the ability to engage with augmented care from their medical, social, behavioral health providers in a way that we've never been able to um, deliver in the, in, in the past. So I think every provider, no matter what modality they're, they're engaging with patients, would love to have the opportunity to say, I've seen you in the office, or I've seen you in your home for 30 minutes, but for the next month before we re-engage, I'm gonna I'm gonna take what we talked about and and make sure that 15 times a day, if you want it, or two times a day, that you're having refreshers and you're having this an ongoing dialogue and journey about the care. And during those periods of time, there is the ability for you to um, have feedback that that the providers will also uh, think about. So I think of voice first as a voice journey mm -hmm. that ultimately augments the care we provide for patients. Um, and again, I, I say this all the time. I don't know if there's any provider out there who wouldn't want to have the opportunity. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to take it to be a part of their patient's lives every day with specific care ideas and some feedback. Um, and, and I think that ultimately is where this is going. And then if we get to a very uh, productive artificial intelligence aspects, I think this has the chance to create a voice first care plan that will significantly impact uh, both the, the quality 
and the cost, and most importantly, the patient satisfaction of what we deliver as, as clinicians. Wow, well said, well said. Well, um, Dr. Lockney, thanks so much for, for spending some time here. Yeah, it's really, really fascinating uh, what, what you're doing there. And as I mentioned to you, I, I heard you speak at the Voice of Healthcare Summit in Boston. I was really impressed by uh, everything that you're doing. And, and that was one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on here. So it's really, really nice to get your perspective and, and thoughts on, on what you're doing now and where things are going. It, it's, it's really, really exciting. As I said a number of times, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very, very enthusiastic about where this is going. What are, what are some great, or where are some areas or places that people can go to learn more about what you're doing or connect with you? Sure. So, um, number one is we do have um, uh, a website for Commonwealth Care Alliance. So, if you Google Commonwealth Care Alliance, a website will pop up. Uh, we also have a, a website for Winter Street Ventures, which, again, Winter Street Ventures by Google will, will pop up at that point. And we have contact information, uh, especially on the Winter Street Ventures website, that I'm happy to have emails and get back to people about any questions. And, and we, we also want to say I, I very much appreciate what you're doing uh, and the opportunity. I think getting voice out and uh, ultimately through your work and hopefully our work and others, um, maybe in, in five years when a clinician sees a patient, one of the things they'll think about immediately is how can I, how can I use voice? How can I take this voice first and incorporate it into their care plan so that the patient gets better care? Yeah, and just a lot, I said we're going to end the end the conversation here, but I just I I want to just um, point out one thing, and I and I love the term that you use, the individualized technology care plans as well. In addition to yeah. the uh, to the uh, you know the healthcare plan, I think that's a really nice concept, and I I think that's really going to become more and more of an in, integral part into uh, into the overall care plan of the person. Yes. Yeah. yeah no, I appreciate it. No, and again, I really do. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I I think there needs to be more of us talking about voice. Um, it needs to get into the mainstream because the reality is it is in the mainstream. Um, it, but when I ask people to raise their arm, when I ask clinicians to say, how many people have echoes? I'm amazed at how, not, not that many, right. you know? And right. so I think part of getting clinicians to engage in this is to use it in, in their non-clinical lives and seeing the power of it. Um, and it's interesting because my wife, when I first brought the echoes home a while ago, kind of looked at me like, what is that? And now she's the heavier user of, of echoes. And has learned voice in her own life. So when she drives, she changed Siri to be have an Australian male accent, which keeps her company. So <laughs> I, you know, I've seen, I, I've seen even. I, I think these are more adopted in in your lives. And as she is a clinician, thinking about how she's going to use voice. So I think I would invite clinicians to buy an Echo yeah. and start yeah. using it to figure out how how they can use this part of their practice. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, um, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Fascinating discussion. And um, I look forward to staying in touch with you and seeing uh, how things develop here in the, in the near future. Again, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your patience with the technology issues. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Well, there you have it. Uh, what a fascinating discussion. Uh, Dr. Lochnane is doing some incredible work in this space, and uh, it was a real, real pleasure to have him on the uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview and you learned a lot about uh, potential applications for this voice-first technology. As I mentioned, one of the things that really struck me, the more I thought about it, was this idea of the individualized technology care plan, which I think is going to more and more become a component of a personal health plan. And voice is the perfect, perfect interface, I believe, uh, to do that. So uh, congrats to, uh, to Dr. Lochnade on everything that he is doing. Um, he's obviously uh, providing an incredible service to his patients, and I'm sure uh, that the patients appreciate that immensely. Of course, uh, as usual, you can access the links that Dr. Lochnade mentioned through the show notes page. And for today's uh, page, that would be at voicefirsthealth.com slash 17. Uh, and you can access uh, the various links that Dr. Lockney had mentioned there. 
please, I'm always interested in your feedback on the episodes. Feel free to send me a message, contact me through Twitter, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We've got some other great, um, great episodes coming up. And uh, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to tune in this week. Have a wonderful week and I will speak to you again very soon.